Well, good morning. My name is Bob Douglas. I'm one of the elders and pastors here at GBF, and I have the privilege to serve in our missions area and oversee our, all our missions ministries. And uh, this week was the week that we go to Hope House. Now, many of you, if you're new to GBF or if you're visiting here with us this morning, uh, might not know what Hope House is. Uh, starting seven years ago, we got connected with an orphanage that's just south of Guadalajara, Mexico. It's an all-boys orphanage, uh, and we started ministering there. We go there twice a year, and in the summer, we do a camp together. We go down there, and we bring a lot of games and crafts uh, to those boys, and we just have a good time loving on them and uh, bringing God's gospel to them, of course. Uh, but that's what we do. And for seven years now, we have a team that goes down there, and we enjoy a great time together. And I first want to thank, start by thanking you, those that, uh, all of you that sent us. Uh, we have to raise money to be able to go down there. Children's Church. Ooh, I forgot to release the kids. Children's Church. Fifth grade and under, parents, if you wish your kids to be part of Children's Church, we have Bobby and Alyssa back there who I guess you guys are leading and teaching today. Uh, wonderful kids, you can go and uh, you'll be headed over to Children's Church and they'll hear a message today. That is great. Uh, so where was I? Um, I don't remember where I was. I wanted to thank you. That's where I was. Without your support, without your love... Without you uh, hearing what we do down there, we couldn't go. Uh, the financial support we have to raise is like close to $15,000 to be able to make this trip every summer. Uh, and uh, we also uh, get um, school supplies from you. So uh, thank you very much for all that you did this year to send us. Because uh, without you participating, we couldn't go. Uh, so thank you, body, for doing that. Um, the, uh, the, the Hope House team, well, I should just start there. The Hope House team, the top slide, that's us at the airport getting ready to go. The bottom slide, you can't see really well, it's a little dark, but that is all of the boys and some of the staff members. That picture was taken just moments yesterday, just before we loaded onto the vans to head home. There's 23 different boys ranging from, what, two years old, all the way up to I think it's 15 or 16 is the oldest one right now. Uh, and so we had a tremendous time with them, getting together with them and ministering to them this week. Next slide. Now, if you look at all that we take, we have boxes of games and boxes of crafts. And we spend a lot of time getting ready to uh, enjoy a, a wonderful time with them doing all that. And our team does a great job preparing. Uh, and that's, that, well, I go, that's not in that picture. Um, but the most important thing we take is our Bible. Uh, that's me in the upper left-hand corner there. There's Brad in the lower right-hand corner. Every morning we do a large group session where we teach the gospel. We do, do it over a five-day period. And then from there we break up into small groups by age. Uh, to further that teaching, age-appropriate teaching, and bring them the gospel message. Brad, this uh, this year, taught out of Daniel, 
several years ago, Nikki Lee encouraged us, hey, we should do a Bible story time in the afternoon. And she did that for several years. Brad took that on this year, teaching in Daniel. And uh, though we spend a lot of time getting those logistical things done, that's the most important thing we do. That's a primary purpose. We never want to lose that. So that's what we do in that time. Um, but there are many benefits uh, being there. Uh, the, the, the team bonding, when you're ministering alongside somebody uh, in that team environment, when we have downtime together at night, you know, we might be playing a game together or we go down to the plaza where they have a festival going on. They have some carnival games and things. That team bonding time is tremendous. It's something that's really hard to explain. But we, we enjoy It's just a great benefit of a short-term mission, uh, being together. And then, of course, we bond with the boys. I, I don't know if it's biblical to have a favorite orphan. It's probably not. You're supposed to love them all equally. But there are times where you get knitted together with just one particular boy or two or three, and it's you just you want to love on them. You want to bring them home. Uh, and those are just benefits that are hard to explain. Uh, but those are that's some of what happens when we go down there. Next slide, Rustin. You know you're on a short-term mission when you get crammed into a stinky, poorly ventilated van together, and that's your travel up and down the week. So that's all of us crammed into the back of their van uh, that's just part of it. Uh, there's always things that happen. Uh, we were without water a couple of times, so there's no showers in the afternoon or a few of us got in early and the rest of us didn't. Uh, electricity goes off in the middle of the night. So that fan keeping you cool is no longer working and that room gets really warm. Those are some of the inconveniences that happen, but the benefits I was talking about a minute ago really outweigh uh, those kinds of inconveniences that come. And then to top it off, if you're wondering what that middle slide is, the middle picture is in that bottom, that's golf ball-sized hail that came in on Friday night about 2 o'clock in the morning. That was kind of interesting because there's a plastic cover on the patio that we're sitting at. And, I mean, I think we had to yell at each other to be able to just to communicate. Um, I'll tell you more about that a little later. But... Um, uh, I wanted to go back to the school supplies. Actually, that's Mari standing just to next to two of the boxes. I think we had four boxes going down there of school supplies. The house has to pay tuition to take the boys to school. By law, they have to put them in school. But all schools in Mexico cost. There's no free public schooling. And so it's a big expense for the house to have to pay for 23 to 30 boys to go to school every year. So one of the things that we do and one of the things that you did is to bring school supplies. Uh, Michelle Aiken pulled all that together this year. She coordinated that effort. I really appreciate Michelle doing that. Many of you brought school supplies. Some of you just gave. And Michelle, uh, it was the biggest. She, she goes out and buys whatever else is needed. And this year she pulled up in her SUV. And that, there's more school supplies than we've ever taken before. And that was a tremendous blessing to the house. Everything from calculators to pencils and paper uh, we took down there. Thank you. Uh, for for participating uh, in that, um, I think Lauren is going to come up. We're, we're everyone from our team is going to take a few minutes to share. If Lauren, you can make your way up. Uh, everyone's going to share this morning. Just a few minutes. It's hard. Um, we've all experienced, you know, being on vacation and seeing the Grand Canyon, seeing something awful in nature, uh, hearing a sermon. 
that then you try to tell someone else about and it you could tell that as you're telling it it's not getting the grandeur of what you experience that's kind of how we feel um we'll, we're going to share our testimony some this morning we're going to talk about some things that just you know just joy to our heart um i hope we can get across uh what we really experienced lauren's our first lauren come on up and share Um, so like Pastor Bob said, I'm Lauren, for those of you who don't know. Um, here at GBF, I have the privilege of serving in a variety of ministries, um, including some of the special all-church events, um, GCM with the young adults and nursery. Um, and today I'm going to share a little bit about the trip from my perspective um, as a four-year veteran on the trip. When I first went down um, to Mexico in 2014. It was my first time on a missions trip, and it was also my first time going out of the country. Needless to say, there was quite a bit for me to process on the trip, and I was often left feeling overwhelmed at times. It's difficult not to form expectations of what something will be like, and consequently, I was surprised to see that what I envisioned wasn't reality. Each year that I've gone back, however, the trip has gotten easier for me. No true trips have ever been exactly alike, and there are still plenty of things that end up different from what I expect. God has had something new for me to learn with each trip that I've gone on. This year was no exception to that. I knew going in for the fourth time that I would be tempted to think I knew everything and I knew what to expect. So I prayed for the Lord to change my thinking and to have a right attitude going in and for opportunities to practice Christ's life's Christ-like service wherever it was needed. One specific area I've struggled with in the past trips has been um, assisting in the small groups, sharing uh, the gospel with the boys. It often seems discouraging when the boys aren't listening or they're not interested um, or they seem like they're not paying attention to the gospel message. I've often wrestled thinking it was my fault or I didn't say something clearly enough um, I didn't do a good enough job and um, have just struggled trusting the Lord fully that um, he's sovereign over their hearts. Um, The week before the trip this year, in my Bible reading, I came across um, chapter 3 in 1 Corinthians, which was a huge encouragement and reminder to me going into the trip. Um, I'll read a portion of that. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9 says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom... You believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives. Uh, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This was a great reminder to me that although I am to be faithful sharing the gospel, um, it is ultimately the Lord who is in control of each boy's heart. Um, And this was very helpful in giving me um, just peace throughout the week, um, trusting that he he knows what's best for each of them and he knows their hearts and um, he's sovereign over their salvation. Um, And so it was my job to diligently plant and water the seeds and pray Uh, for the Lord to save each boy. This was especially helpful to keep in mind this week as I was paired with the youngest group. 
In the past, we've had mixed age ranges, but this year we split them up. The majority of the ones in my group were toddlers and preschoolers. Allison was our small group leader. She did a great job of sharing the basics of the gospel with the boys. It was a challenge as they had very short attention spans, so they were able, only able to focus on what was taught for a few minutes. I realized that the best way that I was able to help share the gospel with them was just to sit and hold them and keep them quiet for a few minutes. Some days that was easier than others, like the one day they were eating dirt and the other day that three of seven of them fell asleep during small group. I realized that the best way that I could minister was just to meet their practical needs and to allow someone else to share the gospel and for me to help them to focus on hearing that message. In the past, I would have been discouraged feeling inadequate, but this year I was able to remember that God is ultimately in control, which was a huge blessing to have peace to fully trust the Lord in this area. Although the curveballs of this trip haven't stopped, um, the Lord has changed my heart to better be equipped to deal with whatever comes up. I praise God for changing my thinking to be more aligned with his word, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity to grow through this trip annually. So thank you so much to all of you for your prayer and financial support to make this past week at Hope House possible. Um, next up, Jason and Allison are going to come share about their trip. Hi, I'm, I'm Jason, and this is my wife, Allison. Um, I have the privilege to serve here um, in the ushering and greeting and welcome table, and also with uh, the kids at Children's Church, and teaching them you know, about once every other month, I think. So, first of all, thank you, GBF family, for your prayers and support. Uh, we really felt it. We especially felt it on Wednesday when we were dragging our feet just a little bit, and we needed just a little more energy. Um, but so, when, when Bob first asked me to lead the sports for Hope House, I remember thinking, how can I possibly lead Hope House sports when this is my second year? Um, and I was like, can you be serious? But, you know, after a while, he, after talking to him, he was. Um, and I told him I'd pray. Oh, sorry. I told him I'd pray about it um, and get back to him. After praying about it for a few days, the Lord put it on my heart to take on this responsibility. I started to brainstorm and grew excited about new games while still keeping some of the past favorites. As I planned, I looked forward to involve all the boys because oftentimes we will lose some of them due to their inability to participate. I thought, it'd be, I thought of simple relays that might, in, that might include all the ages, but little did I know that we had seven boys under the age of six. And somehow they most... All of them were on the green team. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> um, still, God encouraged me to press on. And as the week progressed, with a flurry of ultimate frisbee, kickball, slapball, and before our traditional uh, USA versus Mexico soccer game on Thursday, the overall experience of being sports leader was quite actually challenging for me. Now, not only because of the culture, cultural differences in, in traditional games and sports played, but because of my quieter and uh, introverted personality. Being required to herd a group of 25 boys, our team, and eight high schoolers um, was not beyond my abilities, but would definitely demand my dependence on the Lord. 
After the first day, I was a little bit discouraged as the boys um, appear, appeared only slightly, uh, uh, slightly interested in some of the relays I was playing and Nine Square. I wondered if they'd like my other planned relays and games. But through that night's devotions and prayer, God helped me to realign my perspective. He reminded me why we come, the purpose of why we come to Hope House. We are there to plant the seeds and share the gospel. God is using the game time to build bonds with the boys so we can gain their trust. It's simply another opportunity to really find out where they are spiritually and to further question, uh, to further answer the questions about the gospel. So the next day, God granted me uh, peace in being more relaxed in planning. I was not, I was able not to worry if they were liking the games, but rather focus on having fun and helping to facilitate facilitate the time to grow the relationships between the team and the boys. And God really stretched me in this leadership role, but I'm thankful because I am weak and I know he is strong. As in 2 Corinthians says, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my God is, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast in all more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For Austin. <laughs> Adjustments. All right, good morning. Um, I'm Allison, um, Jason's wife, and um, the mom to two kids, Joan and Ashley. Um, here at church, I... Uh, do greeting and welcome table. I also do da- children's church with Jay. I'm a, his helper and um, work in the nursery with the little ones. Okay, so uh, as you kind of heard already, this year I had the privilege of serving as a small group leader for the youngest boys. Um, like we've mentioned, so it's big because for the first time in years, there were enough boys under six to actually warrant dividing them up by age. Um, where in previous years, there's maybe one or two. So uh, we had seven boys. They were ages from two to six, but they were really mostly two to four. So we had like the two-year-old, three, like two four-year-olds, I think, and like a six or five or six-year-old. And some of them only had recently arrived at Hope House. So each day after our large group lessons, I had the opportunity to share aspects of the gospel in a format that was appropriate to their age. So we were given five to seven questions by Bob, but We really didn't get through more than one to three questions before losing their attention. So as we talked each day, God gently reminded me that I needed to adjust my expectations. Well, my own kids know these basic truths about sin and God from an early age. We've been speaking truth into their lives since they were babies. So I couldn't expect these boys to know the answers to the fundamental questions when their early lives had been so different. So when we talked about sin, we asked the boys, are you perfect? Some enthusiastically said, yes, to which we corrected them. But when we asked the boys, what terrible things are going on in your lives or in the world to show them examples of sin? Sweet little four-year-old Tadeo says, it's really bad when you lose your shoes. He said, well, there might be other things, but that was really bad for him. So... God helped me to see that my focus was on planting the seeds in these young hearts to show them more about our God who loves them dearly and repeating it over and over again. Little Luis, our six-year-old, encouraged me with his understanding. 
Oftentimes, he was the one who excitedly shouted out the correct answer with a smile on his face. God was faithful in showing how the tender hearts of these boys are so ready to receive the word. Luke 18, 16-17 says, But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Throughout this week, God granted me a humble heart to know that although we wouldn't be having deep theological conversations, I'm doing a good work that is pleasing to him. This God-given peace enabled me to love these boys freely without expectation. I simply needed to move out of the way and allow the Lord to work through me. Thank you. And um, next will be Hannah. Dear GBA family, thanks again um, for each one of you who prayed for us and financially supported this year's trip to Hope House. Um, this week was special and unique, um, and I'm so thankful for time with the boys and a really wonderful team. It's good to be back and to share more specifically with you what it was like to minister to the new arrivals at Hope House. While most of the boys had been there uh, last year or longer, a handful were new since last summer, including a set of four brothers who arrived days before we did. And while reconnecting with familiar faces and catching up is always a joyous occasion, our team experienced the unique blessing of being just a small part of the new boys' adjustment to Hope House. New arrivals included chatty nine-year-old Gabriel, 12-year-old Brian and his three younger brothers, and a couple of little ones, Luis and Leo. I was touched by the warmth and love that every single one of my fellow team members showed to them um, and by the kids' uninhibited infection for us, strangers. And though our visit only gives us a glimpse of understanding of what um, they're going through and what life at Hope, Life, Hope House will be like for them, I was thankful for the opportunity to have these glimpses through the vantage point of being on the same sports team and small group as some of the oldest new arrivals. It became apparent throughout the week that the new arrivals were not uh, as integrated into everything that hope that makes Hope House Hope House, understandably. As you can imagine, boys who have been there for several years become like brothers, and there's an intimacy between them and the staff. The older new arrivals would drift away from the larger group during the week to play on their own. Maybe that also explained why they were so warm toward our team members because they felt like outsiders too. The boys who have been at Hope House for a while also become familiar with the behavioral expectations that staff set for them, whether that's chores, daily routines, sharing things with others, um, or not stealing. It helped to remember this as the new arrivals in small group often initiated some problematic behavior. Thankfully, Tin, Pastor Bob, Brad, and Brad's candy were great reinforcements during these times. Despite these challenges, it was a precious opportunity to show love and grace toward them throughout the week so that they felt safe and accepted at Hope House. I'll end by sharing a couple of moments I had with Brian, the oldest new arrival, uh, because on reflecting, it seemed to sum up the week and our hope and prayer for the new arrivals. 
It was the afternoon of our last full day with all the boys at the water park. All the lessons were done, all the playing was done, and now the boys were enjoying their ice cream. I found Brian crouched up in a plastic lawn chair, tearing bits of the ice cream package off and letting them fall to the ground. I asked him if he learned anything new this week. No, he said gleefully, as he proceeded to lick the plastic packaging of the ice cream. I laughed, mostly amused, but also slightly disappointed and sad. The next day, Saturday, comes and we're saying goodbye to the boys before we head to the airport to fly home. We all hug the boys and staff with sadness, but also with joy knowing that they're in good hands with the staff. Then I realize I haven't seen Brian at all. Alarmed, um, Anel, the director, looks for him and she leads me to the back entrance of the house. She says he's very sad, and when he shyly comes out, his arms are hugged tightly around himself and his eyes are filled with tears. We just stand and hug for a while, and I try to comfort him with words while trying not to cry myself. I tell him, Jesus loves you, Brian. Follow him. And don't be so sad, because we'll see each other in heaven. I realize later that seeing Brian or any of the boys in heaven is not the decision call that I make, but it's up to the Lord. Yet in his graciousness and perfect goodness, if he so chooses, he will do it for the boys, and especially the new arrivals that he has brought uh, to hope us for his very own reasons, to glorify himself, um, and to display his patience in saving sinners through his son, Jesus Christ, uh, whether the boys are at Hope House for just one year or for seven years. First Thessalonians 5.24, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Hi, everyone. Uh, so thank you for sending us. It was really fun to be able to go on this trip, and there are a lot of prayers that were answered. Um, so I'll be talking about interactions uh, with the older boys. This year, we tried something different, and we split them by age group for the small group discussions. And I think that was very effective because we got to tailor the message to the boys more, uh, depending on their age. And I decided to go with the easiest group, the oldest boys, because we could actually talk to them and have some discussions. So uh, Bob Burgess led that group. He did a great job, and I uh, sat in with them. Um, we had around 11 or 12 of them. All of them have lived at Hope House for at least a year. Um, so I actually knew all of them from last year, and I helped to be able to build upon the relationship that we had. Uh, there was Jorge, Noe, and Fernando, three brothers, um, who'd been at Hope House for about three or two years. Luis, Antonio, Uli, and Ricardo, who are about a year away from uh, graduating or leaving Hope House. Uh, Gerardo, Chui, Jose, Josue, and Moyo, uh, the Basset Hound, who joined us for almost all of our discussions. So, uh, praise God, one of the big answers to prayer is that the boys do listen during the messages. Um, it helps that Brad offers candy when correct answers are given. And sometimes the boys take wild guesses to get candy, and you can tell they're not listening, but in general, they're listening to the lesson, and they can repeat the facts back to you. Uh, the challenge can be trying to get them to understand the significance um, so that they don't take it just as Bible answers to repeat back to us, um, to satisfy us, but actually as a truth that teaches them about God um, so that they'll actually have joy in knowing these truths from the Bible. Um, for example, to think about how 
um, these were actually miracles um, in the Bible that Daniel could interpret the dream even though the king didn't tell him what it was um, and that Daniel was not harmed in the lion's den and also that Jesus came to die for sinners that they might have a restored relationship with God. Um, so on day one, our conversation in small group ended mainly at confirming the facts. Uh, both the language barrier and not knowing the boys too well made it hard to press deeper and they didn't have any questions for us. Um, they would have very good answers, like, we know this is true because the Bible says so. Um, they would be able to say that true faith is uh, from the heart, and it, it's not just about the outward actions that we do. Um, they understood that the Christian life is not easy, um, but they, they can pray for help from God. Um, all but one boy said that he is a sinner. Um, but through, over time, we tried to learn how we could better um, connect with the boys and understand where each of them is spiritually and to be able to minister to them. Um, so we try to ask personal application questions um, that would get a little bit deeper um, and touch upon topics that they weren't familiar with. So, for example, could you do good things to bring yourself closer to God? And we got answers yes, answers is no, and tried to um, explore that a bit with them. Or, for example, about assurance of salvation. When we sin, do we need to be saved again? How do you know and what verse in the Bible tells you so? Um, so, praise God, they had a relatively long attention span that we could bring up these topics. Um, the language barrier was still pretty difficult to go deeper, so it was more of teaching than a discussion, but um, we trust that God will use the words that we, we taught them. And it's very encouraging that a lot of the boys in this group can read, and so we're emphasizing for them the power of Scripture, um, that they should base truth on what they read in the Bible rather than uh, what us or another group comes and tells them. Um, so during almost every small group, we had one of them read a verse from the Bible, and we encouraged them as brothers in the faith to teach each other as well. Um, the older boys would know the Bible a little bit better, so it could help the younger ones. Um, what we could do in one week was pretty limited. It's hard to know their lives um, and be able to really understand what's going on. Like some of them would mention troubles with his mom, um, but then we didn't really know how to go deeper on that or figure out how the Bible could apply to a situation. Um, but I take this as a starting point or a reinforcement of the teaching that they have already. And if God saved a boy during the week, then hopefully he'll be, continue to be taught by the staff there. I'm really grateful for the staff um, who know them far better than we do and continue the work of um, planting and watering the seeds. There's Omar, um, who's one of the guys who stays with them at the house. Uh, there's a weekly Bible study that Cameron, Eden, and Isaiah started a few weeks ago for the older boys. And that's been huge for them. A lot of the older boys have mentioned that to us. And so we can see that God is at work, that he's placed these people in their lives um, to share the gospel with them and help them figure out how to apply uh, the truths of the scripture to their lives. Um, sometimes what they know actually surprised me. Like Brad did not share the content of the dream in Daniel 2. Uh, he just shared the, the takeaway message. But when we asked them what the dream was about, they actually knew it. Um, they also understood, uh, Fernando, one of the boys, came up to me and said, John 14.6 in English. He said, like, John 14.6, and he was, like, kind of grinning and goofing off. He wouldn't recite the verse to me, um, but people are teaching these boys, and they're he hearing the words of truth from the Bible, which is really good. Um, finally, I just want to say, um, even though we were only there for a week, Omar and Isaiah expressed sincere thanks that we were there that we could go serve the boys um, and also give a rest for the staff. Um, and also one of the huge takeaways for me is that um, the weight of responsibility that we have to teach the children 
that we are uh, stewards of the gospel to deliver to them. And a lot of you do it every day as you raise kids, and also for those who serve in Children's Church, you have the opportunity to do that. Um, and it's such an important message, and so it's really the same thing that we're doing down there is what um, you guys are doing here every day as you raise kids. Um, and so I was really blessed to see and understand a little bit more of what that work is like, and I encourage you as you continue to do it um, to trust the Lord um, with their souls. Um, so thank you. And up next is Tim. No, Brad. I'll try to keep it short, uh, three to four minutes. But uh, if you remember the name Norma, Norma was a person, it's actually a flight stewardess on the flight as we went down there. Um, there was a little debacle, I don't know if you'll hear about it later from any of the newbies, but uh, we had this little debacle going on, this little incident, and for some reason, this uh, stewardess Norma sat next to me for a little bit and just joked like, oh, can you believe this, this is happening on Alaska Airlines? And lo and behold, on our way home, our way home flight, we ended up with the same Norma, and we had the opportunity to share and give the um, James Bynum. And uh, she was able to read and do various things. Don't know where that's going to go, but my job is to talk about more than the boys. Because the first year that I went down there, I was excited. I served the boys. The second year I went down there, I was really excited to serve the boys again, but really scared because I had to lead the games and I didn't have Pastor Cliff to lead for me. So I had to lead it myself. Then the third year, I thought, man, these people that are there, they're there more than we are. We come down for a week. Wow. I can lose sleep for a week. Some of the people that I'm going to name, they don't get sleep except for six hours a day. Because they're down there ministering to the boys, uh, Anel, Ishmael, Miguel, Pepe, and Omar. So three of the guys, they actually stay with the boys each night. Um, they rotate. There's two boys that'll stay, and then the other, or men, staff, counselors, will stay. They do a 8 p.m. to 8 morning shift of staying with the boys to take care of all the night needs. And then they decide to do their next responsibility from 8 in the morning to 2 so if you do the math, they're doing 18 hours. And I asked Pepe, I said, uh, Tienes Novia? No. Okay. He said, I do not have time to have a girlfriend because he has 18 hours that he's doing with the boys. So when we're going down there, some of the times we get to meet other people outside of the house. And some of the times, we're just there with the people in the house. And knowing those people that lead each and every time, that are there every time, and staying with the boys, making sure they're clothed in the middle of the night when it's raining or whatever it is, being with the boys on call. Um, Anel is trying her best to do whatever she can. This was an exciting year for me because this is the first time I met Anel's parents who I was like, who are the parents of these people that are serving 18 hours a day and why? And then you could see because her dad was driving us from place to place, airport and back, and doing all these different things. Next year, I need these in Spanish, or we need these in Spanish, because um, they actually make a difference. People look at them. It makes them laugh, and all of a sudden opens up, breaks, uh, breaks the character or the tension of a mood or anything, and they laugh and they share them. This is the verse I will leave you with, and then I will pass it on to the newbies, starting with 10. Um, Acts twenty twenty four. But I do not account my life of any value, 
nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Their boys, just like the rest, they will tear teddy bears apart. They will tear other things apart. But the ultimate thing is that if we go down there and share the love of Jesus Christ with them, who knows what they will do in the future of Mexico or maybe even come here. Who knows what they will do, but God will be in control always like he is in the book of Daniel. You can read more about Daniel in Daniel chapter 1 through 6. I just want to give a quick introduction of Tin. Tin, come on up. You, you might not recognize Tin unless you were here at the, the last dedication time. Tin goes to Bridgeway Church in Palo Alto. He's a friend of Hannah's, and he's uh, one of several other people that we've had from outside the church that's at a like-minded church join us in our trip down there. He went through all of our training, and he was a joy to have. He was a general helper. He's always asking, Pastor Bob, what can I do? Um, most of the time, another team member had it taken care of, but many times he was able to help in lots of different ways. Tin, tell us about your time. All right. Thank you, Pastor Bob. So um, for me, you know, this was my first time going to a mission trip in Mexico. And uh, being a first-timer, I had a lot of concerns and expectation. So the first concern I had was safety. So when I told, you know, uh, people at work and, you know, my friends that I'm going to Mexico near Guadalajara, they were like, oh, you know, is this safe? So, you know, because of that, I had that concern. And then second concern I had was, you know, heavy language barrier since, you know, I had no knowledge of Spanish at all. And then the third concern I had was, you know, uh, getting sick for from food and water since, you know, people told me all about, like, you know, uh, you know, getting sick from them. But in reality, you know, when I went there and experienced it, you know, uh, the first thing, you know, it was pretty safe. So, like, especially with the very knowledgeable guy we had, a lot of places we went, you know, it feels almost like, you know, uh, some of the area in U.S., like, you know, I, I didn't feel threatened at all with, with the environment. So, uh, you know, generally it was pretty safe. And then second, you know, uh, we had very good translator. So even though, like, direct communication with boys were, like, sometimes difficult because we have good translator such as Hannah, Isaiah, and Albert, you know, we were able to know, communicate some of the key points that we want to communicate with them. And um, third, you know, uh, we have very, you know, uh, safe and delicious cafeteria food that was provided by Hope House staff. So, uh, you know, none of us got sick. And, um, you know, we we were provided with safe, clean water to drink. You know, but, I mean, shower, we had to be careful. But, you know, as long as we have good, safe, clean water, you know, that was very good. So, uh, you know, in addition to this, you know, it was a... Uh, blessing to see and interact with many kind-hearted kids and, you know, friendly boys at Hope House. So overall, you know, this entire mission trip was a very eye-opening experience for me. You know, I have learned to better appreciate many things, many things and blessings that I have taken for granted, such as, you know, education, parents, safe, clean water, you know, a community, you know, know, a church, and so on. Thank you very much.
Hi, my name is Trevor Burgess. I am the son of my dad, Robert Burgess, and uh, my mom, I don't see her right now, but, um, oh, she's over there. Anyway, um, at church I have the privilege of serving in our nursery uh, and, some, and with help, helping with cleanup, um, and on Hope House I was our sports um, assistant to Jason, so that was really fun. This was my first time going to Hope House. Um, and at first I was kind of hesitant to go to Hope House because I'm only 14 and I felt it would be kind of hard to be a good leader and a good example for the boys to really look up to. Um, but I read First Timothy, First Timothy 4, 12 to 13, which says, Let no one despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Uh, knowing that God really wanted me to invest in his ministry, even though I'm young, was a really encouragement, really encouraging. Um, so I decided I wanted to go. Um, before the trip, I kind of expected it to be, I don't know, sort of like us benevolent Americans going down to help the poor, penniless orphans and spread the gospel to people who've really never heard it before. Um, but I feel like that wasn't really the case. Um, when I was down there, I had a chance to play a bunch of soccer with the boys. I played guitar with Chewy. Uh, he's not up there, but he's one of the boys down there. Um, and I got to know them and hear about their stories and all the tough things that they've gone through. Um, and I realized that um, the boys are really talented, they're really kind, and they have a really real zeal for life, even with all the tough things they've gone through. Um, and Hope House has provided a really safe and a really loving uh, home and a way for them to start a career. Uh, Hope House actually teaches them um, a lot of skills. For example, some of the boys are learning to be barbers and cut hair, and they also have a woodworking shop at Hope House. So it's cool, and they're teaching them a bunch of skills that will be useful later in life. Um, and also, some of the older boys have a lot of strong biblical knowledge and foundations, uh, which I think is really encouraging, and it's evidence of the good work that Hope House is doing, uh, teaching them about that. Um, that's not to say that our mission, mission uh, going down there is not useful, um, talking about the gospel, because there are a lot of boys, for example, the four boys who just got there, um, that really haven't heard it before. And if they have heard it before, it's always useful reaffirming it to them and telling them that it again. Um, looking back on the trip, um, being the same age as most of the boys really helped me build bonds quicker than the rest of our team, and I feel like um, it helped me see that they aren't just orphans. Uh, they're talented, and they're passionate young men who really deserve a better life than the streets, and I think that's one of the great things that Hope House has given them. It made me really thankful for the kind of luxurious life that we live here, uh, but it also made me more humble seeing the zeal that they have even in their trials, and I realized that if they can be that way with all their hardships, I really should try to be too. I just want to close with a verse from Romans 12:11 through 12. Do not let your zeal subside. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and persistent in prayer. And I'll pass it on to my dad. Thank you. People tell me that there are similarities between him and me. Oftentimes they confuse me to be his older teenage brother, but... I know that's unbelievable. <laughs> but what else is unbelievable is the... Okay, thanks, Thompson. 
What, what else is really unbelievable is the resourcefulness of God's people when he's given them the resources. So I, I'd really like to tell you about the capacity that the Hope House team has to, for being resourceful. We've heard a lot about the boys, but there's a whole team of people behind these these folks, and Brad touched on them, and Albert touched them on, on them a little bit. Pastor Rob has two rules of fundamental missions work, and, and that is rule number one is whatever is needed at the moment. Rule number two, be flexible, because a lot happens. There are roughly two dozen boys from toddlers to teens to young men, young adults that are living together in a shared space, and they all come from difficult circumstances. There's a number of people behind all that to help them along the way. In the kitchen, they have four people. There's a director that plans a menu and makes sure that everything is in place. And in total, there are four people that are working two six-hour shifts from morning to evening to make sure that all the food is prepared and everything's done. And really, their resourcefulness comes through in the variations on the same theme that, that we see day to day. You can only prepare, in my mind, rice and beans and cheese so many different ways. But it's amazing the variety and deliciousness of food that they've got down there. They have six counselors on staff as well, and and there are at least two people with these boys 24-7, which means that there's some redundancy, but also there's a lot of need going on there. Brad mentioned the, the people who stay overnight with the boys. There are two people in the morning, two in the afternoon at least, each each work, working six hours, and the two at night that are working 12 hours a night, basically they're peacekeepers and mediators and disciplinarians, and they need to be very spontaneous in the way that they handle situations that come along and be very consistent with that as well. For laundering and cleaning, there, there are two women that do all the laundering and cleaning, and if, if you can imagine 24 boys, I'm not sure that I'd want to do laundry for two dozen young men, but uh, they're dedicated to what they do, and they do it very well. The boys are all taught to do chores when they wake up in the morning and throughout the day, but they do need someone to come along and make sure that, that the place is, is clean according to the regulations that the government has for the work that goes on there as well. So two women doing that. They have four administration and professionals that are working as well. We heard about the director, Anel, and she's working there six days a week full-time. She really doesn't necessarily, she's not on the, or off the clock. She's just there. She's doing her work. There's an administrator, again, working six hour, six days a week, uh, really pretty much full-time, whenever it's needed. There's a, an office staff member that's there six hours a day for six days a week, and she's running the, the front office, making sure everything gets done. There's a lot of paperwork that goes on here to meet the needs not only of the boys but also to satisfy the regulations of the government. And there's a psychologist that's there six days a week as well, six hours a day, if you can imagine these children from hard places that have very difficult circumstances that they need to work through, having a psychologist there that can work through these things with them from a biblical mindset is really important. There's also a maintenance individual who just does whatever needs to be done. And right now, you, we can pray for them. They need a maintenance person to come back on staff. They, they lost one uh, not, not too long ago, but there's a lot of work that, that needs to take place for this facility. And there's a gardener that's there three days a week, six hours a day, bringing fresh food into the gar- into the kitchen. They've got lettuce and cilantro, basil. Uh, to, they've had tomatoes in the past. They even have 
an aquaponics setup that has tilapia down in the fish pond. So it's really wonderful setup, but we need to pray for them because part of that setup got crushed in the hail. So we need to make sure that we keep them in prayer in terms of not just their basic needs, but also their ongoing needs here. And finally, there are some unpaid staff, the people who come in to help, the volunteers. There's a gentleman who runs a wood shop. Isaiah is actually not on staff with Hope House. He's with a different organization, but he's, with, he's there 30 hours a week. And there are a handful of other regular volunteers, both locally and, and in the States, that will help as well. So if you sum all of that up, just for the paid staff, for all the work they do, for all the bills that they have to pay, for the electricity, for water, and so on and so forth, we have 18 people there. And it's all being done on roughly, kind of back of the napkin mathematics here, roughly $135,000 a year. If you think about that, we live in a place where an average technology, science, technology, engineering, mathematics type of employee here, a single one, makes roughly that amount on average. So to us, that's, that's a good challenge. It's amazing how efficient they are with the resources that they're given. But to us, the challenge is to much who has been given, much is expected. So we need to think about what kind of impact we can have with our resources to enable the resourcefulness of our brothers and sisters down at Hope House in Mexico as well. There's just so much to share. Uh, and it is... We, we, we would all want to spend an hour to tell you of what we did individually, but we don't have time. I hope you will seek out some of our team members here just to hear more. Uh, everyone has photos. Everyone's got pictures. There's so much to see. So I hope you'll engage with uh, people from our short-term team this year and do that. Now, I know many of you are probably wondering, we have a seven-year ongoing Mexico versus United States soccer game. And so and they love it. I mean, we, we line up. They line up, they sing their national anthem. I don't understand a word of it. Uh, we line up, we sing our national anthem, and then we get trampled on and get beaten. And this year, we lost five to one. Is that what it was? Yeah. And the one goal that we got was from one of the Mexican workers, Pepe, who was on our team. So... If you play soccer, I need you next year. <laughs> um, unity is one of those things that we talk a lot about in our preparation. We live in close quarters. There's three to four people living in a room together, sharing bathroom and all together. It's hot. There's no air conditioning. Um, we're out in the sun all day, and none of us are out in the sun all day. Most of us work in offices. It is a great playground for the devil. And I just, I have been truly, truly blessed to be a part of these teams over these last number of years, and especially this team this time, uh, where uh, your prayers of support, their diligence, faithfulness, steadfastness has just kept Satan out from playing in that playground. Um, that doesn't mean we don't wrestle with it. I'm sure we do. But uh, praise God that we have had great unity when we're there. There's no bickering. There's been no fighting. Everyone's pulling together and helping everybody in their areas. 
And I thank God for that. And I thank uh, this team for their steadfastness. And I'm just proud to be a part of the teams that we've been down with these last couple of years. It's been great. Um, If you're visiting with us today or if you're new to GBF, uh, you probably came expecting to hear Pastor Cliff uh, continuing in his series in Genesis. Uh, He'll be back next week doing that. Uh, I would encourage you to come tonight, 5 o'clock, have dinner with us. You'll hear a little bit more about Genesis. I hope this was a blessing. Uh, to you. Maybe a surprise, but I hope it was still a blessing, and I'd invite you to come back uh, next week and hear Pastor Cliff. Uh, I want to close just by telling you about more about that hailstorm. It was about 2 a.m. Uh, Saturday morning. We're all sleeping. Everything's wrapped up and done. We're going to say, in fact, well, we might not be packed yet, but we have to pack and clean up in the morning and say goodbye to the boys. And a hailstorm, which they're not used to. They've had hail uh, a couple of the men that have lived there most of their lives are talking about, we have kind of a slushy kind of a hail, maybe a little pea-sized gravel. Uh, but they had golf ball-sized hail, and that's Brad holding several of them that came down. Uh, you heard Bob talk about it collapsed. There's a picture there in the lower right uh, of their aquaponics section where they grow vegetation and have the fish. Uh, that collapsed down. That's an older solar system to heat their water. It's an older style. We don't know if they're going to be able to get replacement parts. You can't see it very well there, but there's a double tube system where that it destroyed several of those. Um, so we're going to have to find out. And then the last thing over here in the lower left are skylights that they have in the new dorm, uh, two different skylights. And those are golf ball size holes. And there's probably... 10 or 12 of them in that skylight. Uh, Walt Heine, many of you know him. He was here from GBF early on. They live down there now. That's how we had our connection to GBF. He's going to be working with Anel to finally kind of find out what all of that damage is. It is minor. There, there was no other kind of structural damage. No one was injured, praise God. Uh, no issues like that. Uh, but there are going to be some, some minor costs. Uh, and I would, and our team experienced it. We were there at the time that it all happened. Uh, there's tile, you know, broken tiles on, on some of the adobe roofs, adobe tiles. So, uh, we're gonna, Walt's gonna be working with me and we're gonna get all that information and we'll email that out. But I'm hoping that, uh, we can raise some of those funds to help them. Uh, they don't have extra money to do that kind of thing. Uh, they're resourceful, like Bob said. Uh, but they're gonna need some little extra help, uh, to do that. Um, so that wraps up our time and our trip. I hope you'll touch base with us. I just wanted to remind you that every, there's three, four times a year, there's a fifth Sunday. And on the fifth Sunday, we do a benevolence offering. And so I'm going to pray here in a minute. The music team is going to come up and the ushers are going to come back down. And that's a chance for us to give in our benevolence offering. Our benevolence offering uh, is to help when help is needed. We first look to our members and our regular attenders. Our benevolence offering helps with rent. It helps with gas. It helps with food. Uh, we reach out as the staff to those that are in need. And every month there's needs. Uh, and it's a blessing that our body uh, sees, that, sees that and responds. So that's why you'll see, if you're not familiar with that, that's why you'll see uh, an offering plate passed again today. And so that's just as a, a quick reminder Let me pray and close our time. 
Gracious Father, I am um, I'm just overjoyed in, in my heart from the experience that we had this week. Uh, I don't know what's more, seeing the joy in some of those uh, children's eyes or the joy in our team's eyes. Both are a blessing from you. Short-term missions are, are, are a great time for us to reach out, bringing your word, bringing it to those that are in need and those that need to hear it, but also bringing the love of Christ, meeting their needs, playing with them in ways that others don't, having to spend time with them to build a craft that they've never done. Uh, those are great times of joy, and it is also joyful to bring the spiritual food and talk to them about stuff. The language barrier is difficult, but Father, we know and we trust that you will move in front of us and move behind us uh, to bring them that word in their ears. We thank you for this last week. We thank you for this time today to share it with our body. And Father, we trust that it will continue to move in their hearts. Be with each of us uh, as we go this week. Let this encourage us to share and evangelize those that are around us. And I also pray for this offering. There are needs within our body uh, that need to be met. Uh, I thank you for the provision of what this is. It's, it's tough sometimes receiving benevolence, but it is provision from you in a different way. And we thank you for that. All this we pray in your son's name. Amen.